Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. How are we? You will need a Bible this morning. It won't surprise you, perhaps, that uh, when we're looking at uh, the Bible as food, as we are this morning, that you will need your Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, Phil is over where the Bibles normally are. We may have changed around. We may be facing a different way this morning, but the Bibles remain in the same consistent place. Isn't that good? By the way, now we've moved around, I can see the clock a lot clearer. That might give you comfort. It gives me comfort that it's behind you. And of course you can't. You may remember a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was leading here and um, I was up here, well I wasn't up here, I was down there in front of you, um, that we started the service by uh, considering and and asking each other what we'd had for breakfast. Now there was no real um, reason for doing this. I wasn't after great detail or insight as to what you'd had by way of nourishment on your Sunday morning. Um, it was really just an opportunity to sort of get everybody excited and talking and um, a bit more awake first thing in the morning. Um, but it was interesting to hear uh, some of the results of that impromptu survey. Um, it turns out that there is one individual in our church that doesn't have breakfast on a Sunday morning. She has breakfast every other uh, day of the week, but on a Sunday morning just chooses to have a cup of coffee, and that is breakfast on a Sunday morning. Breakfast, of course, is considered to be an important meal. Um, studies show, for instance, that children, when they're at school, they do far better, uh, perhaps in things like cognitive tests and the likes, if they've had breakfast. Uh, breakfast is often a strategy for those who are dieting to try and lose weight. They try and skip breakfast. Actually, it's um, also been proven that that doesn't always work. And in fact, those that regularly have breakfast often maintain a better uh, balance of weight. Diets. What we're talking about today is our diet. We're bombarded, of course, of information these days on diets. Um, I don't know uh, about you, but it seems that every five minutes there's some sort of government announcement about what's good to eat, what we should be eating, what we shouldn't be eating. Um, There's all sorts of um, different clubs we can join, whether it be Weight Watchers or whether it be Slimming World or you know, perhaps a Rosemary Connolly or whatever it might be. Maybe you um, have a Slim Frost for lunch. I don't know. We're absolutely bombarded with loads and loads of products. And it has to be said that the, um, the diet business has never been in better shape. You can, in fact, um, appreciate that millions and millions of pounds are spent every year on products and services in relation to our diet and what we eat. Looking around the room this morning, I can see that we have a number of healthy people in front of me. I can't see that um, anybody's looking particularly hungry, so I'm assuming you're getting good nutritional value in your diet. You're looking pretty healthy this morning. Congratulations. But of course, I'm not here to talk about food, but I'm planning to talk about the Bible as spiritual food, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's do that right now as we consider uh, the the Bible as our nourishment and as our food. And let's turn to our reading, which is found in Deuteronomy. If you happen to have just picked up a church Bible, you'll find it on page 187, and it's Deuteronomy chapter 8. And Deuteronomy chapter 8 reads, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter the p- and possess the land that the Lord has promised on oath to your ancestors. 
Remember how the Lord our God led you all the way in the wilderness for 40 years to humble and test you in order that you knew what was in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that people do not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Roger, at the beginning of his sermon last week, was talking about um, verses in the Bible that are used in everyday language, and he listed a number there. There's also verses in the Bible that are often quoted or misquoted, and this morning uh, in our reading we find one of those verses. Um, People are often heard to say, well, man does not live on bread alone. They forget perhaps the second half of that verse, um, but it's often a, a verse uh, that is quoted and misquoted by people. The Bible is often described as nourishment or food. And in fact, as Christians, we need the Bible to help nourish us. Whereas we have food for our physical well-being, we need the Bible to help with our spiritual well-being. And as we, as by way of introduction uh, this morning, I just want to talk about four pillars, if you like, four uh, fundamental things that we can need to understand in regards the Bible being our food, and as we compare it to food, what we can uh, learn from that. So four things. The first of those is the Bible is essential for our spiritual life. Number one is life. In comparing the words of God to bread or food, we need to firstly understand that without reading God's word, we will develop a spiritual hunger. Not only that, we need to eat it regularly. We need to make sure that in the same way we need breakfast and regular food uh, throughout our working day, we also need to be fed daily by the word of God. It's a pretty simple fact, really, is without food, there is no life. So in comparing the Bible to food, we understand that we need this Bible, we need God's word in order to give us spiritual life. That's number one. Number two, the Bible is essential for spiritual growth. We don't just eat food so that we can live. We eat food so that we can grow. Some of us think we've stopped growing. Perhaps we grow in other ways uh, with food. But to live is one thing, but God wants us to grow as Christians. And to grow, we need adequate food. Turn with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, page 1218, 1218, uh, in the Church Bibles. And, one, and Peter says in his letter here, Therefore, rid yourselves, sorry, 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes uh, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now you have tasted that the Lord is good. Just keep your finger in that um, uh, verse for a short while. We'll be coming back to it later on. In the chapter that precedes uh, this particular one in Peter's letter, he's talking about the importance of holiness. And then he talks about the fact that we need spiritual milk to grow. And he says, as Christians, we should be craving 
this word of God. Like a baby who needs its mother's milk, which contains those important vitamins for growth, as children of God, we cannot grow and have any kind of advancement and develop maturity without the vitamins found in God's word. So we need, to give, uh, so we need the word to give us life, and we need the word to help us grow. Third pillar, the Bible is essential for spiritual health. We may be alive, we may be growing, but we also need to stay healthy. If we don't stay healthy, we're more likely to become ill. Our immune systems are unable to fight off disease, and the same is true for us spiritually. Flick over a couple of pages while keeping your finger in 1 Peter to 2 Peter. Uh, Just a couple of pages on 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We need to absorb the word of God into our spiritual system. It's there to help protect us from against all kinds of spiritual diseases and sickness and deformities. God's word helps keep us healthy. So we need it for life. We need it for growth. We need it for health. And fourthly, the Bible is essential for our spiritual strength. A few more pages over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. In fact, and don't turn to it now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, we are commanded to be strong in the Lord. That's a passage I won't dwell on too much. I suspect it might be something that comes up in the sermon of Morris next week. It's the bit where we talk about the armor of God and we're putting on the Uh, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, etc. And eventually it gets to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice, we talked about this a couple of months back when we, we looked at that passage specifically over a number of weeks. The sword is the only item that's able to give us the strength. Everything else that it talks about in that passage is about defense. We need the Bible um, to give us the strength as we go into battle as Christians. So God's word is essential to every Christian. It needs to be there. We need to be reading it. It gives us life. It gives us growth. It gives us health. And it gives us strength. So we are here this morning talking about our spiritual diets. How are your spiritual diets? What spiritual breakfast did we have this morning? We won't be asking each other that. Obviously, we've uh, talked this morning about E100 scheme. The church, as you know, are going through um, the key passages, if you like, using the E100 uh, scheme, 50 passages from the Old Testament, 50 passages from the New Testament. And it's good to do this, isn't it? It's good discipline. It's good to be reading God's word. Let's be honest. 
I can guarantee that there are people in this room who are using this scheme at the moment who aren't up to date with it. Why can I guarantee that? Because I'm one of them. I find it really hard not to read the Bible, but one of the things I struggle with is to actually find a good, clear spot in the day when I'm not distracted, where I can get into a routine. I've struggled with it for years. I got really guilty about it once, and actually don't get guilty about missing. As long as you are reading the Word and you're being fed, yes, it is very good to be fed daily. And there are days when we seem to skip our meals. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is on page 1042 in the church Bible. And actually verse 38. Just want to read a little story here. as a little um, side portion, if you like, in today's menu. Just before we um, continue to consider the Bible as food. So Luke chapter 20, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That's just a few verses where perhaps um, Martha gets picked on here. (laughs) It's probably useful for us to just think about a couple of points out of that and just take encouragement from what Jesus is saying to Martha. Firstly, Martha actually hasn't done anything wrong. There is nothing wrong with being busy. At least I hope not, because I seem to be very busy these days. There is nothing wrong with welcoming people into your home. There is nothing wrong with being busy preparing a meal. And notice that Jesus is quite gentle. He doesn't rebuke her. He gently reminds her that we have a choice. Mary has chosen what is better. It's often the details of our busyness that keeps us from hearing God's word. It's all a question of priorities. Are we choosing to live by God's priorities or are we distracted by the priorities of the world? Which is the better way? Now, believe me, I'm as challenged as that as you are perhaps this morning. We need the word of God in our diets, but as with food... We also need a balanced diet as we develop as Christians. And I just want to spend most of the time this morning just looking at all the different elements of food that are are used to describe the Word of God in the Bible. We've already talked a little bit about it being bread. And that verse, you've hopefully got your finger in in 1 Peter, to do with milk. But it's also described as meat and as honey. So... These specific food types have their own distinctions, and I just want to spend some time drawing out some uh, useful details 
of all of those different types, so something we can learn from this morning. Let's start with bread. Bread is an important part of our spiritual diet. We started with bread in our verse this morning. Men shall not live on bread alone, but by every word of God. We're taught by Jesus to pray for our daily bread. What does that mean? Well, on the one hand, it's good to pray for our daily provision. And we do that, don't we? Often before mealtime, we give thanks, or we might say it's uh, saying grace. And on more one occasion in the Gospels, Jesus does this. He gives thanks for a meal by way of an example. But I think it's more than that. I believe it's also talking about spiritual food. If you think for a moment about a story in the Bible where daily bread was important. We touched upon it in our reading. Moses led the Israelites out of the Egyptian slavery through the wilderness. God provided them with daily bread of manna, and God told Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for the day. But for what purpose? Why did God provide them with sweet manna each day? Before finally entering the promised land, as we heard in our reading this morning, Moses reminds the people of God why they ate daily bread. Daily bread teaches us to surrender ourselves in humble obedience to Jesus. We enter into a deeper faith relationship with God. Zoom ahead 700 years, and we find this passage again in Matthew 4. It's Jesus' turn to be tested. He's in the desert. He was led to be tempted by the devil, and after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus' response was, It is written... Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus tells the devil the same thing that Moses said to the Israelites. Bread is important for our sustenance, but more important is the word of God. That is the priority, and Jesus passes the test. He points to us, And he points to us, to what we are praying when we say, give us today our daily bread. When I pray every day before a meal, I'm not just thanking for the fact that I have food, though that's important. I'm also aware that this physical bread points me to the spiritual bread that I need for my daily sustenance. The bread of life is not merely made of flour and yeast. The bread of life is made of the word of God. This is best illustrated in John's Gospel. John chapter 6. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give me that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers at the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It was not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is also, 
he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes will never be thirsty. Jesus is the ultimate bread. If you allow your hearts to consume Jesus, you will begin to find ultimate satisfaction. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the bread of life. A man does not live on regular bread alone, but the spiritual bread, which is the word of God. Jesus is all we need to find lasting satisfaction in our lives. A little further in John 6, Jesus' words continue. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers at the manor in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is telling that the person who believes in him metaphorically is eating the bread of life. Putting your trust in Jesus, giving his life, who's given his life on the cross for the world, is eating the bread of life. When you put your trust in Jesus, you find that your spiritual hunger starts to be satisfied. Jesus tells us the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Believing is eating the bread of life. We did it this morning, didn't we? We reminded ourselves as to who the bread of life is as we took communion. So that's the Bible as bread. Now then, if your finger's still in that passage in 1 Peter, let's talk about the Bible as milk. Peter exalted us to crave the pure spiritual milk of the world as newborn babies crave for milk. As Christians, we need to be craving for the word and that word should be pure. That doesn't mean we should be babies, but it does mean that as children of God, we need to be recognized by our craving for the word of God. Do we thirst for God's word? Notice it's a pure milk. It's genuine. It's untainted. Why do we know that the word of God is so pure? 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. It's pure because of its origin. In the Psalms, the psalmist says, The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. In Proverbs it says, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Notice that Peter also reminds us that the word be- can become tainted. Men's theories and reasonings can be dangerous unless we test them with what is pure. In the word of God, in scripture, we have the pure message from Jesus. 
Now, it's not wrong to go and listen to teachings and read books. There are some wonderful, good Christian books out there. But here's the point. As we feed on pure spiritual milk, as we understand what it tastes like, so we understand its purity, and we can test other things to know whether it is true to the Word of God. Milk isn't good enough. I don't know about you, but I've grown up a bit. I like a few steaks once in a while. Let's move on to meat. Meat, like it or not, is composed of muscle and connective tissue. The meat of God's word is the muscle that is the spiritual truth and doctrines contained within the Bible. Page 1204 in the Church Bibles, or Hebrews 5. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We need meat, not just milk. Milk is okay when we're starting out in life, but we need to supplement our diet with the proteins found in meat that give us the strength that we need for our spiritual muscle. Paul, in his letter to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to look it up. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Little children are easily prey. We need to be eating our meat. We need to be building ourselves up. We need to be growing and strong in the word. The Bible is full of meat. Finally, honey. Just want to read a couple of verses to you. Just to understand how wonderful God's word can taste. Psalm 19. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, and much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Psalm 119, just one verse there. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. There's a story of a man who was witnessing to another man who grew pears in a pear orchard. 
The man said to him, You say that the Bible is the word of God, but you cannot prove that it is. The fellow responded, What fine-looking pears! It's a pity that they are of such poor quality and not fit to eat. The farmer said, Oh no! They are excellent pears! Here, try one or two and see if they are the sweetest pears that you've ever eaten. After eating a couple, the man said, I admit, they are certainly wonderful. Now will you taste the word of God and see also how sweet it is? If we want to understand the goodness in God's word, we need to consume it. We need to be regularly eating it. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge with him. Just want to end on a psalm. Psalm 1. Just flick with it to me, with me. Psalm chapter 1, and just the first three verses there. Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it, on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Why do we need to read our Bible? Why did God give us his word? How did we end up with this wonderful resource? Final point. The Bible is all about a relationship with God. Yes, there's lots of poetry in it. Yes, there's lots of good teaching. Yes, there's wonderful principles that we can learn to live our lives by. There's principles about marriage. There's principles about bringing up children. And they are good things. But God knows you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. And for that relationship to be built, we need to know him more. And how we know him more is through his word. That is what I think the Bible is about primarily. It's about establishing a relationship that we need with Christ. God has given us this amazing resource. Do you know it's been translated into hundreds of languages? In English we have hundreds of different versions available to us. Not only that, it's not just written, it's spoken. You can get the Bible now complete on MP3. I know I've got it. It's a dramatized version. It makes it a lot easier to listen to in some of the places. You can have the Bible emailed to you. You can get it online. We have an amazing number of different ways to get to this resource, but we need to use it. We need to keep in line on our walk with God. We need to be studying this daily to do so. Notice in that passage in Psalm 1, that progression. Notice of the walking and then the standing and then the sitting. We can easily be led in the wrong direction on our walk. We can end up walking with the wrong people. We can become distracted and we can stand and pay them more attention than they should be given. We can find ourselves sitting and listening to them. Notice that progression. Without reading this word, without understanding its purity, without actually having it to compare with what other people are telling us, we're not going to be able to be blessed. 
and everything that we do won't be fruitful because we'll be distracted by the things that are not good. So there's the challenge. What is our diet like? What are we reading? What's distracting us? Let's give ourselves more priority. Let's think about the better thing. Let's be sure what influences on a daily basis is the right diet. One that will give us life. One that will help us grow. One that will keep us healthy. And one that will make us strong. Just before I end in prayer, let's just give you one quote. If it hasn't been challenged enough this morning. From an unlikely source. Mahatma Gandhi, who once said to us Christians, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it was just another piece of literature. Let's pray. Father, very simply this morning as we conclude, I just want to thank you for the resource that you've given us in your word. Lord, encourage us, I pray. Give us a real longing and a thirst to want to read it on a regular basis. Help us apply it, Lord. Give us your spirit to help us understand it. Lord, we want to live by it. We want to grow by it. We want to remain healthy by it and we want to be strong in it. Lord Jesus, as we go out this morning, help us to remember that and do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.